When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitt. Today we are recapping a 8-4 and four season for the Kansas Jayhawks. Yes, they did win the final game. We're going to talk specifically about the game, but also kind of talk about the season as a whole um, as the bowl games are yet to be announced. It will not be this week, but it will be next week. Um, so when you hear us this time next week, you will know where Kansas is going to a bowl game. But to help me talk about this game against Cincinnati and how well Kansas played in it is, of course, Kyle Davis, my deputy editor over at Blue Wings Rising. Kyle, how you doing today? Just got done uh, with the first snow shovel of the year, so it does feel like the end of football season and, and the beginning of basketball season with the weather outside. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, basketball is a winter sport, so now it officially feels like winter, even though it doesn't start for another almost month, actually, technically. So, um, all right, Kansas 49, Cincinnati 16. Um, I mean, you can sum this game up in one word, just domination. But let's dive a little bit deeper than that. Which one do you think is a bigger story, the return of Jason Bean to this offense or the way that Devin Neal played in this game? Uh, oh, they're both good. I, I You have to go with probably Jason Bean just because he was so – efficient and out of the gate you know it um obviously when you start 10 for 10 passing in the first half uh for nearly 200 yards two touchdowns it's good and then he's like oh wait by the way Cincinnati wants to make it close I'll just I'll just now beat you with my legs and uh and turn out a couple of uh very long touchdown runs so I mean yeah you have um you what he ends with uh 340 yards of total offense and four touchdowns uh, while being, you know, only four incompletions. So he had as many touchdowns as he had incompletions. I would say that's a good day. And yeah, this was one of those where you come in <clears throat> against an inferior opponent in terms of just, you know, where they're at this season and you need to take care of business. And Jason Bean took care of business. It looked like he, he, it looked like he was a little upset. He missed his senior day and was taking full advantage of this being his last regular season game of his collegiate career yeah like let's be honest let's let's put this in perspective Cincinnati did not have a bad running day on the day they had 231 yards Jason Bean passing had more than that on by himself um you know and then he kicked in another 90 yards so like yeah 340 yards is the total that he was he was uh responsible for Cincinnati gained 342 yards total so to say that he had a good day I think is an extreme understatement he had a phenomenal day that I think was, uh, you know, just punctuated by just how well they were able to play. It, it's funny because they, they brought in the backups and Ben Easters is the guy that came in at the very end after, um, because Cole Ballard's already played four games and they wanted to preserve his red shirt, which I completely understand. Like with, with Jason being able to play this game, you don't want to give up a year of eligibility for Cole Ballard just for him to come in in garbage time. We've already seen what he can do. We already know that he is a guy that is going to be helpful to this program. And, uh, you know, to be honest, unless he has a huge development year in which the red shirt doesn't matter, he's going to be 
You know, I, I envision him in like kind of a Jason Bean type role because Kansas is always going to be recruiting a quarterback. They're probably going to be recruiting over Cole Ballard quite a bit, which usually happens when you're a walk on when you come to the program. Um, you know, I, I do think, though, having him with that experience he had in his freshman year is going to be huge for this team in the in the years to come when Jalen Daniels, you know, next year for J, for D to be Jalen Daniels backup. And then in the years after that, either Cole Ballard take over the top spot or, you know, Kansas has some pretty good QB recruits and. I think seeing what Kansas has done with Jason Bean and with Jalen Daniels, it's only going to get more QBs wanting to come to this program to be able to put up the types of numbers that they have been able to do. Um, Jason Bean coming back, like you said, he was a perfect 10 for 10 in the first half. First two passes coming out of the half were incompletions, but weren't really his fault. You know, he was throwing a one ball away and another one, a guy who made a, just a fantastic breakup. Um, but I mean, you, you know, you look at what he did and like, what does he bring to this offense from what you can tell that, you know, maybe a guy like Jalen Daniels or a guy like Cole Ballard doesn't bring? Because I, I do think there are things that he does well that Jalen Daniels can't do. I think overall, we would much rather have a completely healthy Jalen Daniels there. But Jason Bean is a good quarterback. He is, yes. And he's, and I think with the difference when you're comparing him and Cole Ballard last couple of weeks is that experience, right? I mean, that he's, you can tell that he's played six years of college football and has been a lot thrown at him. And, you know, he is, I mean, you, you started with he is the, the fastest man on the field. So when you're running a read option with him and Devin Neal, uh, you better watch out because even though Jalen Daniels is a good runner, he is more, a little bit more of a scrambling quarterback, right? He can make a play with his feet if everything breaks down, but he would rather throw the ball. Um, Jason Bean, just like there's, there's, if you get, if he gets pat outside the corner and, and gets upfield in open space, there's very little you can do to stop him. Um, and then, you know, I think he, Cincinnati actually, they're, you know, Cincinnati's run defense was the thing that had been gashed all year long. The, the, past defense was actually a little bit better but he just he made the right read over and over and and again i i don't know how this happens i said this in uh during the live blog but like it, how does mason fairchild end up being the widest uh wa the most wide open person in america it seems like at least twice or three times a play but um you know he bean was spreading it around he found quentin skinner a couple of times and lawrence arnold was that um uh his reliable kind of go-to you know Again, Luke Grimm is Mr. Third Down. If you need a conversion, uh, you, you find him. And some of those balls, the, the, the pass to Jared Casey for the touchdown was just spot on. You know, he he had that kind of either back shoulder or um, on like I'm thinking of like that very first third down conversion to Luke Grimm where it's an out route. He put that where only his receiver was going to catch it. And it was either going to be incomplete out of bounds or his guy was going to catch it. And I think that's where – his accuracy hasn't always been there that well, but I think his deep ball has been solid all year. He's the fastest guy on there. And at least against Cincinnati, he was putting that ball where only his guy was going to do it. And he trusted receivers to go make a play. And this is a really solid receiver group who can go up there and get the ball uh, if needed. And so I think overall it was just, it was uh, an impressive performance by him. And I think, yeah, you see the, um, you just see the experience there with the Jason Bean uh, that, you know, we weren't able to see the last two weeks. Cause you know, what can you do? Cole Ballard's a, a true freshman. He, you have to, you have to be in that fire a little bit just to un fully understand. Uh, and that's something that only can come with reps and time. And Jason Bean's got plenty of reps and time. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, I, I think 
there's there's a few different things. One, this is not a receiving core that's going to have a guy that goes on the all-conference team. Like, they just don't have that top-end talent, except for maybe, like, Lawrence Arnold. But he doesn't get the ball often enough. He gets he gets double-teamed often enough that it's difficult to get him the ball all the time to compile those stats. And when you have so many different options, you asked about, you know, how, how does Mason Fairchild get so open? It's because of so many different other options. Like, when you have to cover six different options on a potential passing play, you can't cover them all. It's just not possible. And so... You know, you have a case where, you know, Lawrence Arnold uh, is able to make a big play. Mason Fairchild is able to make a big play. You've got tons of options. And Bean has gotten a lot better over the course of the last two seasons at reading the field and being able to make those decisions. That was his biggest issue last year, I think, was decision-making, right? Like figuring out where to go, where the right read was. I think that's something that Jalen Daniels has helped him a lot with. And and I think that's what Jason or what Jalen Daniels excels at, right, is reading the field and making the right throw. Jason Bean's gotten a lot better. Jalen Daniels, I think, has helped him with that, but he's also put in the work. Like he's done a ton of stuff over the offseason. And the, you know, the coaches talked about what he did over the offseason, him coming back, his commitment to improving his game, and we're seeing it here on the field. I do think that, you know, he has gotten better over the course of this last year and a half. Um, I think he's put himself in a position to be drafted, like probably, you know, fifth or sixth or seventh round, somewhere in that, like a day three draft pick. But you know, what he showed there and the fact that there's so many different teams now that want to be able to do so many different things with their quarterbacks, or you see a guy like a, you know, like a Taysom Hill who can play multiple different positions. You know, it's like, if you've got a guy that can be a good running back, has a good burst of speed, oh, and he can throw the ball too, because he, you know, grew up as a quarterback, like that's going to be valuable. I think that's something that, you know, so I would not expect, or I would not be surprised at all if he gets and ends up getting drafted or if he finds himself on an NFL roster. And that's something that he actually did in this last year. Cause coming out of, you know, coming out of the season last year, he was not probably on anyone's NFL radar at all. I do think the way that he's played this year puts him there. And, and, you know, the other thing that he brings to this team, you kind of talked about the speed he makes, um, you know, he, he makes guys get complacent. I think with, with the way that his speed is because people, you know, cornerbacks, safeties, when a, a guy's out on a big run, they're used to taking certain angles. And they know if I take this angle, I'm going to be able to catch the guy. I'm going to be able to slow him down and be able to do something. You can't do that with Jason Bean. All the angles are always off. And I think I've, I've, I've seen and I've heard announcers talk about it. I've heard, you know, players talk about it. Like when he runs, you have to adjust your angle by a lot. Otherwise, he's just going to blow right past you. And he did that multiple times. He did that twice on both of his long touchdown runs. He just took off and, you know, People just didn't have the right angles on him and weren't able to to, to bring him down or, or knock him out of bounds. So I think he has so many different things that he brings. I think it's at the point now, like, I'm not expecting Jalen Daniels to be recovered enough for the bowl game, but the way that he's played this year, if he's not starting the bowl game and he's healthy, then, you know, I would be upset with this coaching staff because I think Jason Bean has earned the right to play in that, to, to start that bowl game and, and to be able to push for that win for them. Yeah, and part of me thinks for the way that Jalen Daniels came out with the announcement about being back next year, and I know some of that was because of all the nonsense that was being reported out there, re- reported with air quotes. Right, right. You know, this is a podcast, but um, it kind of made me think like that was that was more like, yeah, he's probably not coming back this year. He's going to be ready to go for next year. But to your point, I mean, you at this point you feel because I, I the Big Twelve is so strong, and so many teams got in there, and, and the way that it fell with the with the conference, like. It, Kansas is probably going to get put in like I've seen the the Texas Bowl I've seen the guaranteed rate bowl they're probably going to get put in there against a, uh, <clears throat> a team from either the Big Ten or the SEC with the worst record and if and you know if 
I think I saw two four seven today had um, Kansas against Northwestern uh, in the guaranteed rate They would and Jason Jason Bean like there's no reason to put Jalen Daniels in that game. Jason Bean can score, you know, all of them. They can win by twenty in that one. And so you know, I think that's where the case where yeah, he's earned it. I think it's, he can get a little bit of redemption for the Liberty Bowl last year on that play, you know. Um, and yeah, it, it would be a pretty incredible ending to what has been a wild but you know ultimately fantastic story of the last two years for Jason B. Yeah, I mean when he came he was expecting to be the guy uh you know he was recruited by Lance uh, by Les Miles. I mean um you know came and uh yeah he was not he did not end up being the guy because well I'm sorry he was the very first year just because he was the most consistent. Um but I do think that this is a situation where you know Everything changed after he after he uh, decided to come to Kansas, came into camp, and um, you know it, it's kind of unfortunate that he was thrown into a situation that was wildly different than what he was expecting. Although I do think that this coaching staff developed him a whole lot better than Les Miles's coaching staff would have, um, and so I, I don't think he's actually complaining at all or anything like that. But it's a completely different situation for him to be able to come together and to be able to put this type of season together, I think is just absolutely fantastic. So, all right, um, I think that's enough waxing poetic about Jason Bean. As great as he was, there were a lot of other really great performers in this game. Um, before we talk about the guy, you know, the real deal in Devin Neal, um, got to talk about on the defensive side, you know, there were some some really good defensive pushes. Um, I will say I was a little worried early in this game when Kansas dropped yet another sure pick six. Um but Kobe Bryant kind of made up for that. Well, he, he he wasn't the one that dropped it, but made up for it for the defense's behalf by just having the most ridiculous one-handed interception that I've ever seen. He actually used the Cincinnati receiver's hand to help him corral the ball and bring it in. I thought it was just absolutely fantastic. I was a little shocked and a little disappointed that it only got number two on SportsCenter, top 10. But, uh, man, that was such a great, a great uh, interception there. And, you know, I, I do think that Kobe Bryant kind of showed why teams typically try to avoid him in this particular game. Anything else yeah, I mean, though from the defense that stood out, whether it's, I mean, go ahead and talk about Kobe, of course, but, but anything else from the defense as well? Well, I was just going to say, so, uh, you know, um, uh, there's a, uh, a good tweet from um, uh, Derek Johnson of Rock Chalk Sports Talk um, that basically broke down Kobe Bryant's um, stat line compared to the top three cornerback prospects in the NFL, including, you know, McKinstry yeah. from Alabama uh, and so Bryant has 33 targets, three interceptions, and is forcing a 56.3 uh, NFL passer rating, which um, so, you know, Alabama's uh, um, McKinstry only has, uh, well, he has zero interceptions on 37 targets and an 80.5 NFL passing rating. And he is considered one of the top cornerbacks in the country uh, in NFL drop, draft prospects. So like Kobe is up there with one of the more, dominant cornerbacks in the country um and if he comes back that's going to be huge and i think it's kind of a bigger point though because you're right you know you know Mel Dodson probably should have had that pick six there's a couple of them but the defense has to shore up the running attack uh, or the run defense next year but the past defense has actually been really impressive so i got i got a trivia for you how many times do you think that kansas has given up 300 or more yards passing through the air obviously this year once out of out of 12 games wait uh, the only game i can think of that they would have would probably be against texas or maybe this was one of them or maybe oklahoma state that was another one so there's three there so was three. Was oh, okay 
it was Texas, Oklahoma State, and then BYU because oh yeah, because BYU was passing like crazy at the end. Yeah, but then here's this: how many times do you think they've held teams to less than 200 yards passing in a game? So you got ten. You got ten. Sorry, you got nine options remaining uh, because you already have three that are spoken for. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was like eight of them. Like uh, seven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, so, I, like, they're either really good or really bad. And, and honestly, usually when they're really bad, it's either a team is trying to come back on them or everything is just falling apart for the entire team, and that makes sense. Yeah, and you can see that, two, you know, two of those three that they gave up 300 yards were losses. Um, but this is – the whole bigger point is that in a league like the Big 12, which is known for airing it out, and maybe this year not quite as much because it's actually been – dominated by really good running backs um and well, that's actually been the last few years year. like can't or like it has but the big the, the big 12 has been a very good running back league now normally though those running backs get quite a few of their yards by you know catching passes so right but and but you can even see i mean look at the you know just even some of the quality of, of quarterbacks in this league and in, in kansas is the that secondary it's, it's you know give them their flowers because they've done a really good job they're forcing a lot of the turnovers they're they're really shutting them down. They're they're making it difficult. And now you get all that to say, you look at the run defense. You got you know Austin Booker coming back. You've got some other key pieces there. This could be a a much improved defense if you can hold on to your secondary. Outside of obviously Kenny Logan is is graduating and gone, but um, <clears throat> the the pass defense was just really impressive. And that's where last night you knew you just need to make Emory Jones throw the ball because it's not going to go very well. Uh, and that's what they did. They made, you know, got some third and longs, made a pass. And Cincinnati only completed 51% of their passes last night. So Kobe Bryant is a big reason for that. But Melo Dotson has had plenty of um, glimpses. You know, OJ Burroughs had some big plays and some glimpses there. Obviously, Kenny Logan, again, you know, he had that massive hit on, I believe it was a third down very late in the game where just, you know, receiver had no chance of catching it because Kenny, you know, blew him up. And so, um, I would just say overall, even looking through diving through the numbers, it's even more impressive looking at what the secondary has done. And even guys like Rich Miller, you saw a couple times Rich Miller dropping back into into a pass coverage and breaking up some balls there. Like I, th- I think the linebackers, you know, Craig Young, who's kind of played the a little bit there, just overall, like that the the secondary and the linebacking core has just done a really good job of a pass defense this year. And if you can shore up the run defense, that defense could get much, much better next year. Yeah. I mean, you just look across the entire team here and like Dylan McDuffie's a redshirt senior. So he can't come back. Obviously Jason Bean can't come back. Uh, you know, you've got, like you said, Kenny Logan can't come back cause he played four. Well, actually, you know, I'm, I'm a little confused about the way that they list them on the roster here, because there are definitely some players that, uh, you know, are, I guess, listed as a senior or listed as a super senior or a redshirt senior or something. And, um, you know, I will say, let's see, one, two, three, four. Oh, yeah, they just have him listed as a senior twice. So they, they didn't list him as a super senior this year like I thought they would have. Um, so that makes a lot more sense why, you know, like uh, Kenny Logan is out of eligibility. But um, so there's not a lot of consistency there in terms of how they're listed, but but I think the bigger point remains that Kansas can bring so many guys back, and I do not appreciate though guys like Derek Johnson and Khalil Herbert, uh, you know, trying to push Kansas guys to the league because you know all these all these juniors that can come back, I would love for them to come back to KU, but I also do think that kind of the 
the reputation of Kansas helps the Jayhawks in that respect. Because I can tell you right now, yes, Kenny Logan is going to get, you know, he's, he's going to get some serious consideration. Kobe Bryant would get some serious consideration if he was picked, but I can guarantee that he's going to, yeah, I'm sorry. If, if, if he decided to go to the draft, he'd probably get picked as a day three guy, which is unfortunate, but it's because he plays for Kansas and most people don't take Kansas seriously still. Um, if he comes back, he has an opportunity, I think, to continue to put up those huge numbers to be a guy that could potentially go pretty high in the draft next year. And so I do think there's going to be a lot of guys, Devin Neal included, as you know, as the NFL kind of sours on taking running backs early in the draft. Um, you know, I think Devin Neal can make himself a lot of money by coming back as well. But I think there's just the way that NIL is set up and the way that so many different things are set up now. Um, Kansas has some players that are going, going to have impacts in the NFL on this team. Huge development from from a lot of these guys. But I don't think that most of them are going to get that opportunity this year just because this is the first time that we've actually seen a Kansas a good Kansas team live up to expectations and I think it takes some getting used to for guys to be able to rely on them and trust them uh, to be able to go ahead and and you know continue to do that. So let's go ahead and jump over obviously to the guy Devin Neal. Fantastic year so far. He has averaged over 100 yards a game. He had 106 this year this this game rushing. Um, absolutely just ridiculous what he's been able to do this year. He also has, if I remember correctly, he has 16 touchdowns on the year, maybe 15. I don't remember which one it is actually 15 rushing 16 total. That's right. Okay. That's why I got the 16 number from, but yeah, I mean, so he's been, he's been absolutely electric. Um, he has an opportunity to come back next year and challenge for all of the, you know, rushing all time statistics here at Kansas. If he decides to come back. I hope he comes back. Khalil Herbert said that he's absolutely ready for the league. And, you know, I, I mean, while I would love to see him go to the league and have an impact, I would also love for him to stay here one more year and have an impact here and then go to the league and have an impact. But um, Devin Neal, just in this game, seemed like he was pretty much able to do whatever he wanted. Um, you know, I'm sorry, the 106 yards, that was on 10 attempts. And the longest one was 38. So it's not like he, you know, broke off like an 80-yard touchdown run and yeah, then he didn't really do didn't much, play rest much of the game. Of the last- yeah, twenty five minutes of the of game time. Like he was, he was pretty much done after about you know two and a half quarters. Yeah, I mean he 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 averaged ten point six yards per carry. This is absolutely ridiculous. And yet he's not a Doak Walker Award finalist or semifinalist. Uh, even though if you look at the Blue Wings Rising Twitter, I broke down why he is more deserving than like Todd Brooks at Texas Tech because the numbers are just you know what the funny thing better. is though. The semifinalist lists are not set in stone. They actually do say, uh, and all of the awards do this, they they narrow stuff down to the semifinalists. It's only the finalists that are final. So they can still add someone or take someone away. Well, obviously take someone away because you're paring down the list, but they can always add somebody to a finalist list that was not on the semifinalist list. I think usually it's just that these are the guys that we're watching. Um, you know, and, you know, to the point this year, these are the, like the, the, the 10 best guys. So I do think that, uh, he has an opportunity still with what he's been able to do. I just don't know that they're going to, they're going to bring him up. Um, yeah. Just because. But to your point. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, so to your point, though, I mean, Devin Neal's a fascinating, um, and his decision is fascinating because he's the hometown guy. You know, he takes, I think, as much pride in this turnaround as anybody because of the commitment that he made and just the, the you know, what, where they were when he signed and then where they are now. And you're right, he's he's already, if he if he just plays in the bowl game and, and doesn't play anymore, 1-1, one, one, if he gets another 100 yards, he will move into fourth all-time in rushing. He's fifth right now. 
Um, he's he's about let's see, sixty eight yards behind Laverne Smith for fourth. But if he comes back next year, he will very likely, barring injury, become the all time leading rusher at Kansas. So he only needs eight hundred. <clears throat> excuse me, eight hundred and let's see, thirty five yards to equal June Henley. So 836 yards to pass and become number one all time. He's also um, right now third in rushing touchdowns for his career. He only needs three more to pass James Sims. So in theory, he could either tie or pass James Sims Sims in this bowl game. He only needs nine more to tie Henley, 10 to pass them. So basically he's already at a, you know, KU ring of honor level career even if he doesn't come back, you know, top, he arguably top four in rushing top three in, or top two and three or two in touchdowns. He has been the hometown kid. Like he is going to be remembered and embraced. I think, um, you know, for obviously forever in this community. And if he does come back, which now given NIL and he is one of the top ones that I think, you know, he is in a, in a team that now, you know, football just brings out so many opportunities when you are good uh, and I know that the basketball team gets plenty of theirs, but like, I think the, the hometown starting running back, uh, who is one of the best that you've ever had here can do pretty well for himself if he wanted to stay another year. And I, I, you know, who knows what he's going to do. I, I, I agree with Khalil Herbert that he looks ready. Like you just watched in this game, oh, yeah. his patience, his patience to wait for his, his holes to open up and for his blockers to get there and just his ability to make guys miss. Um, and just his elusiveness is there to where I think he would be successful at the next level starting if he left this year. And if he leaves this year, again, he is already ring of honor level. Um, and, and he's had, but if he does come back, which again, hometown wanted to see this thing through, this team has a legitimate chance for a big 12 title competition next year with everyone you're bringing back. You could have the chance to be the all time leading rusher at your hometown school you can make money from NIL. I would not be shocked if he comes back another year. And if he does, then yeah, that just cements what a legacy he's going to have uh, in this program. Cause he's just, you're right. He just does so many things well. And it's just his ability to find the end zone, his ability to shift speeds, his elusiveness, his, his timing and his patience. It's all just something that we really haven't seen uh, recently or really much of it all. And, and it's even to say, <laughs> his his average on here it's it's crazy to look at because if you look at the top again five right now all time in rushing uh smith only has only had uh less but devin neal's done this in 521 attempts so he's averaging 5.8 yards uh per carry already june henley had his 3,800 yards in 823 attempts. Tony Sands had his 3,700 yards in 777 attempts. So basically, you know, if, if he comes back one more year, gets another 200 rushes, which right now he's had 183 attempts so far this year. So if you just say that he's going to blow these guys away, if he can keep up this, this average, and it's just really incredible to to watch and see what he's done. And again, yeah, I figure out where the statue goes right next to Lance outside of the new booth, uh, because he has absolutely earned it. Yeah, I mean, he is a hometown guy, and I do think that helps in this case, right? Like, being here in NIL, where you have an opportunity to make a decent amount of money, he probably can make more NIL than he could on a rookie contract. Like, I think that's how crazy it is at this point. Um, 
which is great for Kansas. You know, he has the opportunity to be able to be here to, you know, if he wants to push for that record, he can push for those records. Um, but like you said, like he is a, he is a ring of honor guy. And I do think he gets kind of that sentimental boost just because he is a hometown guy, but um, you know, he, he's here at Kansas and he has pretty much everything. So, you know, I don't, I don't know that there's a, as strong of a push for him to immediately jump to the league now as there normally would be. But I can understand if he does decide that he's ready for that next step and he's ready for that next challenge. I just think that there's more that he can do here to help this program even further. So we'll have to see what he ends up doing. There is one thing, though, that he does not have. Um, and I'm a little surprised about this, but it is his own shirt over at Sponsor on the Podcast, the Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. Charlie Hustle is a vintage-inspired clothing company based right here in Kansas City. Uh, and they want you to be the best-dressed fan this year. Um, look, we are already, or actually, as of the time of this recording, they are still in the middle of their Black Friday si- sale. It may be done by the time we're actually, um, yeah, by the by the time this episode actually posts, I think it will actually be done at that point. But you can still go over to charliehustle.com and get a fantastic deal by getting 15% off of all non-sale items with the promo code 101215. That is T-E-N-1215. They have so many different great things. And like I said, I am waiting for them to get a Devin Neal shirt as well because, hey, guess what? He needs one. Jalen Daniels has one, and you have a ton of basketball ones, but I do not see a Devin Neal one, and there needs to be a Devin Neal one with what he's done for this program. So, But you can get the KU marching tee. You can get you know any of the individual player tees. You can get the Kansas baseball style. Um, they have a ton of hoodies and sweaters and you know jackets and everything for the winter season coming up. But charliehustle.com. Promo code 101215. Save 15% off of all those non-sale items. All right, I do want to wrap up the football with just kind of a, a quick look at the season as a whole. But before we do that, I need to throw to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. And we're back. I am here with Kyle Davis, my deputy editor over at Blue Wings Rising. And Kyle, Kansas finishing 8-4. and four, um, you know, that's right around where a lot of our, uh, a lot of our crew decided that they thought Kansas was going to go. Yeah. I was a little bit more optimistic. And honestly, with the, la- the way that those Texas Tech and Kansas State games went, um, they should have been nine and three. But, you know, the way that this season went, like, how would you wrap up the regular season overall? Like, I, I think, I think everybody agrees that this is a success for the team, that they've taken a huge step forward. But do you look at this season as a, a missed opportunity to be even better? Or is this a, Hey, this is the kind of progress that we expected to see. And now we can feel good about the future. Like, which one is it more? Is it more of the missed opportunity or is it more of the man? Look at this improvement. I think, and I was one of those who picked eight and four. And I think you, I think it's, it's, I wouldn't call it missed opportunity. Um, I would call it um, tough breaks because it's one of those things where it's like a lot of it was not a lot of it, some of it was, you know, you wish you wouldn't have laid an egg at Oklahoma State because you had that game there. You th- you have to think that if Jason Bean was healthy for all of Texas Tech and the K-State game, you get one of those. You know, uh, yes, there was missed opportunities in terms of shooting himself in the foot, but I picked eight and four coming into the year thinking that we were going to have the, you know, preseason off- offensive player of the year the whole time and all these other things and growth. And so the fact that you hit that with, a backup quarterback most of the time and all the injuries and you were playing a third stringer some of the time and and just everything that that happened I would say um no this is this is something to celebrate I think just it is worth keeping in mind the fact that people are 
And I know it's so easy to do just to say, oh, if we had that one, you know, nine and three, what, what could have been? Totally agree, because I think, you know, Kansas could have easily gotten to nine and three. But just to think about where we as a fan base was three or four years ago, to to think about nitpicking over what could have been for eight and four or nine and three would have been preposterous. I mean, I think if you would have asked many people, including myself back in 2019, hey, you can either roll with it or we can guarantee one six and six season in a bowl game in the next 10 years. I probably would have taken it because the idea of even getting to six and six in a bowl game was so outrageous during the Les Miles era after the David Beatty era and the, you know, <clears throat> in the um, the Gill era that in the Alpine, the Weiss era, even, even maybe the most of it, like the, after all of that, the fact that you could even three years from now be talking about an eight and four team who had some tough breaks and maybe didn't live up to as good of it as it was, would have been just mind blowing. And so I think this is one of those things where, you know, yes, I think it was more tough breaks and missed opportunities. There was some missed opportunities, you know, this, that's what happens in the sport. But I think this is more of a, a celebration of the progress. And, you know, where you look at the setup, like this is not, this doesn't look like, if, and again, so much can happen, but this does not look like a one-year fluke. You know, like this is, this is not TCU in that it made it to the college football playoff, but then everybody left and it was complete restocking of the, of the shelves. Like there's, plenty coming back to you think that you got Texas and Oklahoma leaving, you've got some new teams coming in, you have a legitimate shot to do the exact same thing or better next year. And so I, I, I'm, I'm choosing to use this more of a kind of a celebration of where we've come and thinking that, you know, there's some tough injury breaks along the way that, you know, next year, because injuries and some of the, the luck factor tend to even out over time. And also the schedule, like Kansas, the schedule was was tougher than some other teams in the Big 12. Like we didn't get to play Baylor. We had to play both Texas and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Like we played all three teams that were in the hunt. For right. We didn't get the, Baylor. The, we didn't get TCU. Game. We didn't get Houston. Houston. Like, so yeah, that evens out a little bit more. I think I saw early on in the SP plus rankings for next year that Kansas is projected as everything stands now to have the fourth easiest uh, schedule in the conference. So like, you have to think that some of, the, that some of the, yeah, some of the luck, some of the injury and schedule and all that sort of thing comes into play. This could be a 10 and two team next year. Um, and so I, I, I'm choosing to look on the optimism side than today from this year, even though, you know, cause there, it was just, it was tough breaks. What are you going to do on a lot of it? Yeah. I mean, and, and I think that that's the big point, right? Is that this is not like last year was the year that you could argue that everything went perfect. Like everything went well for them and they were able to capitalize and, you know, and, and like you could say, well, you can't even say that it went perfect last year, but you could say that last year was like the fluke to follow it up with this, this year, especially when you're missing your biggest piece, you know, your biggest weapon. And, and it, it's funny because I think there was a lot of people that thought, Oh, well, Jason Bean isn't that much of a step down from Jalen Daniels. And then we got the first few games of Jason Bean and not Jalen Daniels. And everyone's like, Oh well, man, we need Jalen Daniels back. And now we're at the point now where there's plenty of people that are saying you ride with Jason Bean the rest of the year, even if Jalen Daniels comes back. So like the fact that Kansas was able to do all of this with all of the turmoil at quarterback with all of the, you know, issues that they've had is just absolutely fantastic. And I think that is like the big selling point that you're talking about. Like, Yes, eight and four was a little bit disappointing given where they were at one point, you know, and the fact that they beat Oklahoma and 
you know, you looked at, maybe you were looking at a 10 and two season or something like that, but you know, to have those QB injuries, to have to deal with all of that. Um, yeah, like I don't think that this is a quote unquote missed opportunity. I think that they were able to build even more. And I think they probably would have been a much better team if they were healthy, but I don't think that this was like a, they let everything get away. Right. They had pieces that were missing that pieces that and, and what they had to fill it with were not able to pull out games that they probably should have pulled out. But that happens, especially when you have young guys. I do think what the most important thing for me is, is that you look at what Kansas is losing this year. It's probably not a ton. And every single year, like, it, it, you know, last year we lost Lonnie Phelps, like coming into this year, we lost Lonnie Phelps. We lost, you know, a lot of upfront guys that we thought were going to be, you know, important for our defense. And the question was, can they replace them? Well, you know, Kansas went out and got a lot of great guys in the transfer portal, guys that have a lot of years of eligibility left. And I think that's the part that you look at is that this is a team that has shown that every single year under Lance Leipold, they have built off the previous season and they've gotten better. There obviously becomes a ceiling at some point where you just can't get any better than you are, you know, in general, because you're losing guys that are that good. And there's just not that many out there. You're not going to compete with Alabama and Georgia for five-star recruits. You know, you're not going to have any of that kind of stuff. So I think there is a, a natural ceiling to where Kansas can eventually get to, but this is a team that still has ways to go to reach that ceiling. And it's an eight and four season, you know, like that's just absolutely fantastic. So I'm sure we'll talk about this more in the off season. We'll talk about this more after the bowl game um, and kind of the lead up to the bowl game, wherever that actually ends up being. But, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think there's any way that you can be disappointed in the season as a whole. You might be disappointed in particular games or what could have been, but you can't be disappointed in the way that this team responded, the way this team was able to do what they were able to do. So, all right, I don't want to spend this entire episode on football because there's a ton of other stuff to get to. Kansas finishing off the volleyball season uh, by beating both uh, both uh, UCF and Cincinnati. Cincinnati on the road in the middle of the week, and then UCF last uh, on, on on Saturday. They did struggle a little bit with UCF. Uh, it looked like they potentially were going to have some issues, but some great challenges by Coach Ray Bouchard. Uh, allowed them to finish it off in four sets instead of having to go to a fifth. Um, and Kansas is now just waiting. We are recording and uh, waiting for the results. I'm sorry, for the uh, for the show. We are, we are waiting for the NCAA selection show to be coming up later today. So, um, great for them. Women's basketball, unfortunately, the results were not as great as we were hoping. Um, they went down to the Cayman Islands and they played really well in the first game against Virginia Tech, but lost the very end. Um, Connecticut, they were able to keep it close, but unfortunately we're not able to pull that one out either. I do think though, kind of, as you put over on Twitter, like two, one, uh, two single digit losses against some of the best teams in the nation is nothing to scoff at. Like, I do think that it was a, a fairly productive weekend for them, especially how many turnovers they forced. Like, I think that's the big, the big takeaway is that this is going to be a defensive juggernaut that is going to force a ton of turnovers. Yeah, I think the the Virginia Tech's one is the game that's going to haunt you because you go up 58 to 56 with 316 left and then just <clears throat> running through the play by play like so you yeah. have uh, I don't Tiana score the Jackson final 315. No. Just, and it's and it's it's a it's a Tyana Jackson miss layup, it's a Franklin miss layup, it's a uh Jackson miss two free throws that again with it being down by one and a minute 46 left, you could have taken the lead there. Uh, you know, a Jackson turnover, another Kansas turnover. So there were so many opportunities to get that game. Like Virginia Tech was baking for Kansas to take it, and they just couldn't finish it. But, yeah, you that, again, so that was the number nine ranked team in the country, and you're talking about Kansas should have 
won that game. So that is um, it's a testament to where the program is, although I think you're getting to the point where now you know, Brandon Schneider doesn't want any moral victories. Um, but, you know, you you tested yourself against the best of the best. Um, and now, you know, it's it, it, those are two. Again, UConn's one of the, you know, premier programs in, in the country. And now you uh, you can you got a little bit of a, you know, you've got some other just wants to maybe get your mind right with, you know, Southeast Louisiana and Houston Christian and Central Arkansas and some of those uh, before Big 12 play. But it's still overall, I think the positives are much, much bigger than the negatives there with that. Uh, well, and I, of performance. Yeah, I think these are second weekend NCAA tournament type of games, right, where you get a good idea of where your team's at at this point, what you still need to work on. Um, you know, like, I don't, I don't take this necessarily as moral victory. Like you would have pref- much preferred to actually have those wins, but what this is, is a good teaching opportunity for this team to know what it is that they still need to do to, to, um, to compete at a national level, to be able to compete for winning the big 12. And, you know, you saw a lot of really good pieces. You saw a lot of young players that have some fairly important needs. You know, this is something that Bill Self does all the time. He challenges his guys early in the year. He finds out what they need to do, and then they work on it. And I think Brandon Schneider has done a great job in the last few years, especially of developing guys, you know, brought on some assistants. I think that have helped a lot with that, with the way that the, the program develops people. And, and so I do think that Kansas is, is going to use this as an opportunity to get better. The fact that you were able to stick with Virginia tech for basically the entire game. And yeah, I mean, you make one shot in the final three minutes and you win that game. Um, I think what I was more impressed by was the fact that they held Virginia tech scoreless in the last like two fifty or something like that. And so, um, yeah, like you worry about it potentially, but this is a Kansas team that has shown they are very good defensively. They just need to make shots better. And that's something that you can get better at. That's something that you can improve. You can't necessarily coach effort. You can't coach speed. These are things that Kansas actually has that allows them. And, you know, that the quick hit, the quick twitch to be able to get a steal in a random spot has been great for this team. So I'm looking forward to see what they can do going into conference play. Um, I do definitely think that this is going to be a much better team in conference play this year uh, than they have been in years past. And I mean, they've got all the pieces to be able to run to a big 12 title. The question is, can they put it together? Can they, you know, actually make it happen? So excited to see what they're able to do this year. Um, Obviously you wish you would have gotten at least one of those, but you know, Kansas is in a decent position. You know, they've lost three games already this year, um, which is more than they usually have. But I, I do think that they have enough opportunities to be able to, set themselves up really well for an NCAA tournament run this year. They just have to get there. So, all right, um, let's go ahead and jump over to the men. The men had a, I guess, an up and down last week as well, down at the Maui Invitational. Um, obviously, they, you know, they blew the doors off of Chaminade. No, no big deal there. I think that was expected by everybody. Um, but they struggled against a Marquette team that just seemed quicker um, in all facets of the game for quite a while. They let them speed, you know, Kansas let Marquette speed them up and really kind of just seeded the pace of the game to them. What was your biggest takeaway from that game? And kind of follow it up as well with like, was that something that you saw better against Tennessee or is it, is there something from the Marquette game that you're worried about that didn't get answered against Tennessee? No, I think, I think Kansas is going to be fine. You know, you played, you've played, three top 17 Kim Palm teams and you went two and one in those games. Also just not even that, but like 
<clears throat> you know, Marquette and Tennessee, Tennessee is still t- statistically the number one defense in the country. And, and everything that is a problem right now for Kansas is fixable. Mainly it's the turnovers. And that was the big thing against Marquette. And it's less about the trying to make too many passes as you're in transition. Because, again, Kansas is still the best, like, assist per field goals made team in the country. I get some of those. It was more the trying to complete a cross-court pass and sailing it into the third row or just – the sloppiness of trying to force the ball into the paint with three defenders around. And, and, you know, I think it was a, um, I think the Marquette game was one that was just a bit of a, it, when it rains, it pours and Marquette just had all of the effort. Uh, Kansas wasn't great from the free throw line. They kept turning it over and they just, Marquette had more like the offensive glass is a perfect spot where, there's no way that Marquette should out rebound you on the offensive glass. And they did, but then you saw just the energy level and the um, just the execution kind of turnovers aside against Tennessee was much better. And so, you know, I, I'm not, there's not much about Kansas's flaws right now that I am worried about long-term. I think the, I think the um, turnovers get fixed a bit. I would like to see the free throws get fixed because that is one, you know, especially um, with a couple of guys where just we're not, you know, he only we're 243rd in free throw percentage and 68% as a team. It's not great so far, um, but Kansas isn't shooting many threes. They're making them when they do, but I don't think this team needs to shoot too many threes because you are so good dominating the paint. They're, you know, top, they're 12th in, in two-point percentage offensively, and they're holding their 11th in two-point defense. Uh, and so, like, Kansas can win dominating the paint. Um, and it, it kind of reminds me, honestly, a lot of the 2019-2020 team that the NCAA tournament was canceled. So the Devon Dotson joke year. Again, that one. We, they were 14th in two-point percentage, uh, and they were third in two-point defense. They, again, only shot threes uh, like like a 287th percent, or, you know, clip nationally, and they weren't great doing it. But, you know, you have such an – when you're that efficient in a high – a high efficient area, and I didn't say that well. I was not efficient in my words there. When you can dominate – the high efficient areas of the paint on both sides, you're going to win a lot of games. And you saw that with KU when it got right. Like, you know, even just thinking of just some of the youth on that team, I, I think all of that's going to get shored up. And you saw this was a huge week for Jamari McDowell. I think he turned a lot of heads and made a lot of progress as someone you can trust out there to not necessarily score a lot of points, but to play good defense and to, not be a liability and not turn it over. Um, and, you know, Johnny Furphy had his moments. I think Nick Timberlake is not, can't, can't miss as many shots as he is right now. Like there, that's a regression that's probably going to even out over time. And I think he's in his own head a bit there, but I think you take it because you look at, especially in honestly, both the Marquette game and Tennessee game, a lot of the turnover problems and the struggles from the line was from one of your most productive players so far, which has been Kevin McCullough. And I think Kevin is a smart enough guy 
where, you know, he had six turnovers against Marquette. He had seven against Tennessee. Um, I think he is one of those where he's, that's not going to be something that continues. Um, I think he's going to kind of get it together a little bit. Dwan Harris has been a little bit, maybe a little more loose with the ball on passing and trying to force some ones than we've seen. But overall, I think the benefits of the just the dominance down low between Hunter Dickinson and KJ Adams and the guards being able to get to the rim and finish shots. I think this is a team that finishes at or near the rim better than we've seen the last couple of years. Uh, they can make some threes. They, and when they don't take a lot of it, you don't need to, you know, I think if you, if they can shoot 37 to 40% from three and take 15 or, or to, you know, a game or so, they're going to be so good inside the paint that I don't think you have to worry about it too much. Shore up the free throw shooting, shore up the turnovers, get, you know, Amarco and, and Jamari and the freshmen are going to get more comfortable with time. I, I, there's nothing that I saw in the Marquette game or otherwise that made me think, okay, this is going to lower the ceiling in March because these are young kids still learning to play together in a the second game in two days on a beach in November. Like, you're going to have bad games. And that was just one where nothing really went right for them. And they just struggled in about every way possible. But then the way that they came back and responded against Tennessee told me much more about this team than the Marquette game did. Yeah. I mean, I think there are some def- definitely some worrying signs, right? Like the turnovers are an issue. The the free throw shooting, like you said, is an issue. And I do think the fact that Dewan Harris, after the great game he had against Kentucky, um, I still think he probably needs to be shooting more. There were, way too many times where he was absolutely wide open and passed up a shot to, you know, get it to another guy who had a contested shot. And while I don't necessarily think that Dewan Harris is going to be as hot as he was in that Kentucky game, I do think that it allowed teams to collapse a little bit more, make it a little bit more difficult for guys like McCuller who was trying to drive or guys like Hunter Dickinson, you know, in the, in the middle, you know, Hunter Dickinson had five turnovers in that Marquette game. Um, And I, I think a lot of that was because Marquette knew that they could crash into, you know, the, the, paint quite a bit and make it a lot harder for Dickinson than it normally would be. So I, I do think, you know, but I mean, you are talking about playing games against, you know, top 10 teams. Like, uh, like this is not, especially this early in the year where you're still trying to figure things out. And, you know, like it's, I'm not going to hammer on it all the time, but we are still trying to figure out who, you know, a lot of these rotation players are and what their roles are going to be after a very significant piece of this team is no longer with the team. And again, no, judgment at all about you know getting rid of him or you know whether he should have been here in the first place or anything but when you play in Puerto Rico with a guy like Arturo Morris and you know integrate him into the team it takes time it takes reps it takes game time it takes all kinds of stuff to figure out who is going to be the guy that steps up instead um I think the biggest problem that they have is just that nobody else has stepped up they are they are they are probably among the best in the country at four of their positions, but they have one position that they still are trying to figure out. And unfortunately, basketball is one of those games where, you know, if you have one position that is a huge weakness or that is not figured out at all, it's going to be very difficult for you as a team to be successful because teams can pick on that routinely. And that's what Marquette did. I think that's what they, you know, they did quite a bit. They picked on Marco Jackson. They picked on Johnny Furphy. They picked on Nicholas Timberlake when he was in there. Jamari McDowell was, I think, the only guy who kind of held his own. The problem with McDowell is that he's, you know, he's so inexperienced at the college level that he wasn't quite ready to go ahead and step up. I do think that Parker Brown, um, you know, has been huge in these games. Um, the problem is, of course, he can't play the two. So, you know, 
if you could play Parker Brown at the two, or if you could shift Kevin McCullough over to the two and have Parker Brown play the three, you know, with KJ Adams and, and Hunter on the floor, I think that'd be awesome. Um, but I just don't think how that, like, I just don't know that that lineup would ever work uh, the way that Kansas likes to play. And, you know, you are, like you said, extremely successful this year so far. You have two of the top 10 players in the country right now, according to Ken Palm player of the year standings in Hunter Dickinson at number two and Kevin McCullough at number eight. Like you have tons of fantastic pieces. It's really just a matter of figuring out before conference play starts about how you need to put all those pieces together. And it's not like Kansas isn't going to have an opportunity, right? To have a lot more uh, in terms of really good games. Like they have, you know, they have a, a game coming up on the 28th. Um, you know, that's uh that's uh, Eastern Washington. I believe it is. I, I don't have the schedule pulled up, but um, yeah. And then, but then they have Connecticut coming. Like you still have great opportunities. Uh, it's Eastern Illinois, not Eastern Washington. Eastern Illinois, yeah. yeah. And then Friday is Connecticut. Um, you know, and then you still have Missouri. You still go on the road to Indiana. You still have a, a neutral site game against Wichita State. And then conference play starts. And it's going to be a beast of a conference. Kansas is going to have plenty of opportunities to test this team, to figure out what it is that they are really good at uh, and what they need to improve on. And I, you know, again, you have probably the best coach, the best active, well, by far, I think the best active coach in all of college basketball right now in Bill Self. And, uh, you know, so I, I'm not that worried about this team moving forward, but there are definitely some some issues, right? They, they, the, the turnovers, the free throws, and I do think on defense, the fact that they do not turn their opponents over very much for as good of a team as they are, um, you know, as fast hands that Dewan Harris has, that Kevin McCuller has, like you would expect them to force more turnovers either by, well, I, I do think a lot of that though is now that I think about it, you know, their turnovers in years prior were a lot of drawing offensive fouls and, you know, doing things like that, that are a lot harder to do in today's game because of the emphasis on changing the block charge call. So, so maybe that's not quite so fair to say that, Hey, you know, they should be turning the turning people over more because they do it completely differently. Um, but I do think that there is something to be said about this team needing to kind of step it up there to, to force more bad possessions as opposed to bad shots. And also just, you know, um, hit that offensive glass a lot harder. Cause that's, that's probably the other thing that really concerns me is that Hunter Dickinson should be an offensive rebounding machine. And he's not, um, I, I don't, I don't really know what the, what's going on there, why he's not, but maybe that's just the way he always is. He hasn't been a great offensive rebounding guy, but with the height that he has and the way that he plays down low, I would have expected him to be a better offensive rebounder. Yeah. And I think he, you know, I think teams obviously know where he is when the shot goes up. And he's gotten his fair share of putbacks. And that's where I think KJ Adams can really shine and use his athleticism to crash the offensive boards better than he has. But um, yeah, I, I think all of this stuff is <clears throat> all of this stuff is easily fixable. It's not even December yet. And you're five and one uh, with, uh, you know, uh, two wins. Like no, not many people have played the schedule that Kansas has so far. Um, and the fact that you are, you know, you've got, a top 10 win you've got a top i don't can't remember what top 20 win whatever kentucky was um at the time and then you've got yukon coming in this week um i think this is a it's also one of those things where you know it's tough to not only to play those but to play those in back-to-back days uh after the travel and kind of the lag i'm that's why i am interested to see i think you know eastern illinois will be a good kind of reset for kansas on tuesday but i also i wouldn't be surprised if there's a little bit of um uh, just like travel jet lag kind of coming back from Hawaii. It, it, 
from what I've heard people talking all week, it was less about the going out there than it is coming back in your next game. So hopefully that gets uh, shored up by by Friday. But yeah, this is, you know, it, I wouldn't be too concerned with the bench. Shane Jackson um, pointed this out, you know, the former uh, Journal World uh, reporter who's now with, I believe he's at Action Network. But, you know, when, when Kansas, KU right now is 291st in bench minutes, um, when they won the title, they were 301st. And a lot of people were like, oh, but that was Remy. Well, Remy was hurt for a lot of the main year. Like, it's not like Remy lit it up the entire year. He was hurt and off and on and had some rough December, January stretches and then got hot. Who's to, and really, who else were you looking at? Like, Jalen Coleman lands, Mitch Lightfoot. No disrespect to Mitch because he was a great Jayhawk. But my point being, like, if you look at, at the bench now versus, like, say, the, the title team, do you really think that this is that much of a you now? Like, I think the bench this year by February and March can easily be uh, what the bench for the title team was. And like the title team, when you have a top four, top five that is as good as, as Kansas has, and you have two guys who are on pace to be first team All Americans with the way they're playing, you, all you need is just some service, you know, serviceability, and, and that's what I think you'll get from Parker Brown and uh, Brown and. Uh, Jamar, uh, Jamar and McDowell, Johnny Furphy, like I think those guys in a couple months will be even better than the bench that you had when you won the title. So that's to me, this is way too early to start freaking out about that. Yeah, I think the only the only difference there in terms of what you're talking about, I don't know that anybody on this bench could take over a game like Jalen Coleman lands it against Georgetown, um, you know, or, or not yet. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I do think, though, that this is a team that has all of the capability. They just have to develop it. And of course, we know that Bill Self is one of the best in season guys. You know, that there I, is, I could so. see Johnny Furphy by February. I think. I think, like I think Furphy probably could. I, I think McDowell might be able to with one of those, uh, you know, like the Wichita State game potentially. If if everyone else is off, McDowell might be able to get hot in in the Sprint Center and I'm sorry, in the T-Mobile Center and and be able to put it'll together. always be the Sprint Center. I know, I know. I, it's just like it'll always be Twitter. But all right, I think that's going to do it for us today. Um, Kyle, any final thoughts before we get out of here for the day? No, we got. I'm. Uh, it's got a big week coming up. A couple big basketball games. Find out where where they're bowling. We find out volleyball. Like this is uh, this is an exciting time. Oh right yeah, now. a lot of good no, stuff. I'm, I'd say I'm like stoked. Travis Goff had tip to him. Like he, the athletics as a whole is at a real good place right now. Yeah, you know it's it's crazy how good your athletic department can be when you actually give support to all of the programs and actually you know really pay attention. I mean, look, Jeff Long. He liked to get out there and do the photo ops, but when it came to all the other support things, I don't, I don't think he was necessarily that great at it at all. And I do think that Travis Goff has really kind of showed how to run a very good athletic department. And we'll have to talk about him specifically, um, you know, towards the end of the academic year because, man, I'm really enjoying the staff that Kansas has put together for a lot of different programs and what they have supporting everybody. But that is going to do it for us today. Thank you guys. So much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. You can subscribe, get every episode as soon as it comes out. Give us a rating and a review. Five stars, nice comments. would be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We, we, we really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com. Or on Twitter at Rock Chalk Pod. We are, of course, part of the 1012 Podcast Network covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference, including the new ones coming in. Go to 1012network.com to get links to all the great shows that we have. And go support us over on our Patreon. 
uh, patreon.com slash 1012 network. We are going to be starting some power rankings for the conference as a whole. I'm working through the details of that right now for both men and women's basketball. A lot of that's going to be coming out on the Patreon. So make sure you guys are supporting us over there. Um, but make sure you visit our sponsors, Charlie Hustle, Price Picks. That's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Podcast Network.